Welcome to the Secret Lives of Chiropractors, where we get personal with chiropractic leaders, mentors, and influential entrepreneurs. And when I say personal, I mean really personal. So personal that the things that they will open up about, they haven't shared anywhere else. Today, I had the pleasure of having Dr. Ron Oberstein with me, and he, as you might already know, is the president of Life West Chiropractic College. He's a family man, he's an entrepreneur, and just honestly an incredible human being. I loved connecting with Ron today, and uh, you're going to see why. He is, he's a connector. He loves people. He is really passionate about just so many things. Ron and I um, chatted about touch and connection in today's world, both sensually, sexually, and platonically. Also, um, I don't know if you know what the oven karma is. That was a new concept I learned, but if you want to learn more about that, then make sure you watch and listen all the way to the end. Um, speaking of touch and the area of connection, I feel it's such a lost art these days. And one of the most important needs of humanity in general, and we are moving away from it every single day as social media takes over and just the, the direction that the world is going. Um, I also see and talk about this, uh, this area of connection and Elevate Club and uh, it's not just connection to a significant other but also your connection to yourself we've lost that or a lot of that as well um, the connection to yourself the connection to your higher self and uh, and then of course connection to other human beings or i guess animals other beings in general um, and i often see this especially in entrepreneurs we heavily focus on say wealth or building our practices and things like that and Oftentimes we forget about the area of health and connections, not realizing that these things are interconnected or um, sometimes we realize it when it's too late. Uh, inside of Elevate Club, I teach three areas. These are the main focus, uh, wealth, health, and the area of connection. And the goal is to have a harmonious interconnection between all of these three areas and having abundance in all of these three areas. So if you're intrigued or you want to join Elevate Club, I'm sure there's a link in here somewhere, but you can uh, go to www.elevate.me and that's actually spelled E-L-I-V-A-T-E.me. And uh, as always, enjoy this episode. You're going to love Ron. Um, I loved connecting with him and make sure you subscribe, share, like, all of those things. Enjoy this episode. All right. Well, hello, uh, Secret Lives of Chiropractors. Welcome to Secret Lives of Chiropractors. Today, I am so, so excited because I have one of my favorite presidents of chiropractic college, one of my favorite chiropractic colleges where I am an alumni of, Dr. Ron Oberstein. Um, he was named the third president of Life West in 2017. And he brings, and I know this to be true from a personal experience and everything that I have heard with regards to Life West, he brings extensive experience and vision to Life West community. He has rejuvenated the connection within the campus to the principle of lasting purpose, giving, doing, loving, and serving from uh, our own abundance. Dr. Obenstein's focus on developing chiropractors who are um, truly prepared for success in their practices puts the clinical experience at the heart of Life West's educational experience. His leadership honors the strong philosophical legacy of Life West while creating a cultural shift to bring Life West grads to the forefront of chiropractic education, leadership, and cultural authority. Welcome to the show. <laughs> it's great to be here, Doc. Thank you for giving me your time. I know you are uh, a busy, busy man. And uh, so I totally appreciate you being here with us. Um, so Secret Lives of Chiropractors kind of has a personal touch. I want to start with kind of getting to know you a little bit. I know you're a gramp. I know some personal things about you, not a ton, <laughs> but um, but I hung out with you one time. And so I, I learned and I talked to your wife quite a bit. So I learned some personal things. But what I I really am curious about is what Ron was uh, was like when 
he was a little boy, like oh. four years old, five years old. What was your childhood like? And how did that influence who you are today as an entrepreneur, as the president of Life West, as a chiropractor, a father, grandfather, all the different roles that you play? Mm-hmm. Well, thank you for asking that. Um, gosh, going back to four or five years old, I, you know, I grew up uh, in Michigan. I was born in Detroit, Michigan. Uh, my parents were, I'd say, middle class, you know. Um, I wouldn't say upper middle class, but I'd say right at the line of the middle class. Um, you know, I remember when we moved, I was in the third grade, so I was a little bit older than than uh, than uh, than five years old. But I, I remember when we had, you know, one car and, you know, if my father would go to work and all the, the women who stayed home who didn't work, they would um, wait until one of the one of the husbands will say, or the man of the household wouldn't take their car to work, maybe catch a ride with someone else. They'd all, and one would just go shopping for the whole family, mm-hmm. for all the families, for four or five different families. Um, I remember when the first color TV came into the block, it wasn't in my house, but I remember watching my first color TV show. It was Batman. Uh, that, was that was only a, a few years ago. Oh yeah, really? I know. I know. It was back in the, back in the 60s, early 60s. But, you know, when I look back at my childhood, um, I was, you know, being the third of three boys, I was pretty much on my own. You know, I think my older brother kind of laid the pathway. And then my, and I'm going to go a little bit older than four or five years old, you know, when I got into like, you know, back in those days, at least, um, you know, if I went back 60 years, uh, it was, you, you you could just leave your house. You know, I'd leave my house in the morning time. And especially during the summers, I'd get on my bicycle, I'd go wherever. And I just knew I had to be home before, you know, before the streetlights came on, mm-hmm. like literally, you know, and you just be gone. There wasn't like worries about people being abducted and, and, mm-hmm. you know, you had to know where your kid was every, every second of the day and, you know, that kind of stuff. But just, it wasn't like that back then. So, you know, the kids were pretty much on their own. We played on the block a lot and we, we learned our, our life skills by, being outside and being with each other. Uh, mm-hmm. We didn't need our parents to drive us to play dates because that really didn't exist back then. Mm-hmm. So, I, you know, I think that part of our, you know, part of the upbringing that I had, you know, had to do with the lifestyle that I lived, you know, and, and it was very entrepreneurial on a level of, I was on my own. I could have been seven years old. I was probably just all over the place, all over the neighborhood, going, riding to friends' houses and, and hanging out wherever I hung, wherever I hung out, you know, we'd hang out in the park, we'd hang out, you know, in a hole, you know, and we could just spend the day there just kind of chilling and make believing and doing all this different stuff. So, um, but growing up the third of three sons was definitely, I, I just didn't have a lot of rules laid on me, you know, growing up. I remember this going, moving into 13 years of age and 12 years of age, you know, I could, pretty much just come and go as I wanted and do what I wanted to do. There wasn't a lot of checking in on me. Um, I, Did that I make you sort of independent and uh, and like kind of st- as a leader, right? Like if you don't have the rules or you break the rules, like, I mean, all chiropractors are kind of rule breakers too. Like, did you feel that way or? I mean, I, I think that in, in our time, in my time period, you know, where, where I was, um, I think we all broke rules. I think I think breaking rules was the norm because there wasn't a ton of rules set up back then. You know? So so you know, I mean, we you could be smoking cigarettes at twelve years of age, you know, and it wasn't like a huge thing. And um, drugs weren't really pre- uh, prevalent um, at at my early earlier years. I remember marijuana kind of coming into the scene at like you know more like I, probably when I was. Like in seventh grade was the first mm-hmm. time I heard about it. So I was like 12 years old, right? Mm-hmm. Um, but it, was, it wasn't it was really big in society. Remember, those were the 60s. So that's when Woodstock was happening and things. And people yeah. were just, you know. So I remember just we would hitchhike everywhere. But in those days, getting into like middle school or we called it junior high school, you know. Yeah. Uh, we would just hitchhike wherever we wanted to go. And, and it w- wouldn't be uncommon to be hitchhiking. 15 miles away and hitchhiking back and never thinking twice about, you know, 
someone picking us up who shouldn't pick us up and stuff like that. It just wasn't in the consciousness back then, you know, but I think the entrepreneurial spirit probably came more from what we did, you know, like, you know, what we would, uh, how we would make money. We would sell different things and we would, we would, you know, whether we'd have a paper route or I remember a friend of mine, a good friend of mine, um, uh, he got in trouble. So he had to like repay something back. I can't even tell you what that story, what, what happened let, led up to it. So what he ended up doing was he ended up working at a, at a hotel where he was delivering room service. Right. And this is kind of how we thought. So what he would do in the morning time was he would go and he would get a, like, you know, 50 newspapers out of the news box, you know, cause he's, you know, and he would get 50 newspapers. So every single room service that he delivered, yeah, he would deliver a newspaper with it. Uh So he'd pay like 10 cents, but then he'd get a tip of whatever he'd get. Right. And it was like that extra service. And that's kind of how we would think, like, how could we make this happen? You know, and how could we we add value, add value. And that's really what it was about. So, so that's kind of, you know, kind of the things that we did back then to, to enhance what we were doing and, and, uh, and what we were doing, but things were much cheaper back then also, you know, I remember, um, you know, we would go travel and we would just get in our car. I was in Michigan. Once again, we just drive down to Florida. We'd eight people in a hotel room and, you know, that kind of stuff and just, you know, hang out at the beach and we'd monitor our money and we'd do whatever we could to make money. And, you know, that was just that kind of a lifestyle that we lived back then. And it was, it was pretty free though. So yeah, it was that sounds was, really free. I mean, being a mom of two boys now to think like for my boys to be out and about without knowing where they are, or whatever, it's kind of wild. Why do you think that is? Do you think people were good back then and they're not? Or do you think that it's just a like a is it our imagination? Is it like a consciousness of the world? What is it? Yeah, you know, I mean, I think it's a lot of things, but I think that the probably the biggest thing for me is there's just a major disconnection in life right now. You know, there's there's um, people who who are disconnected on a physical level, on a mental level, on a spiritual level, and you know, little babies are born. They're they're no different being born right now than they were born, you know, sixty five, seventy years ago, right? It's just no, or 80, 90 years ago. It's just, there's no difference. You know, it's, it's more about what happens, you know, as they're growing up now, what kind of chemicals do they have inside of them? Whether it's psychotropic chemicals, what kind of foods are they eating? Um, Once again, what kind of playfulness are they doing and what kind of learning are they doing at school? You know, is it forced learning where the mind might not be working like that? Or is it, you know, is it creative learning? Um, I think there's a lot to it right now. Yeah. Um, but I think a lot of the disconnection right now, the the danger, so to speak, is just, you know, I think it comes from uh, medication, you know, whether pushed or prescribed. I think it comes from um, I think it comes from the family units, you know, yeah. being disconnected, you know, people being on their phones all day, on their computers all day and not talking with each other and you know, mm-hmm. that kind of stuff. So, yeah, I agree. And I know that you're super passionate about that, right? Like just, uh, uh, the interference that the drugs are in, in children or in general in our society. And there are a whole bunch of other things you're super passionate about, but what is the one thing that you would say like pisses you off? It's frustrates you, makes you angry. Like what makes Ron angry? Um, boy, what makes me angry? <laughs> when my favorite team loses in the playoffs. Oh, <laughs> I mean, I get upset about that, but that, I don't carry that with me. Wait, which thing, one though, Ron, which one? Oh, it's always Detroit. So I'm from Detroit. So I'm true blue. And even though I have season tickets for other teams because I've lived in other cities, you know, <laughs> I don't have to get angry a lot because my team doesn't make it. Detroit hasn't made it into the playoffs a tremendous amount of times. So, <laughs> um, but, but they actually, they, anyways, but I think what gets me, upset is the the outside in lifestyle mm. you know, that 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 people are living um you know the 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 lifestyle of of where they're just they just believe anything that they hear and and they don't feel on the inside to be able to say what's right or not right you know um yeah. I think if, if if one thing probably gets me upset in the world, it's and in my world, 
it's that, you know, it's that, that people will just believe whatever narrative they want to believe that kind of suits, you know, their, their, um, that supports their belief or supports their, their, the narrative that they, yeah, the narrative, the story they have going in their head without really looking objectively Mm -hmm. and using deductive logic, you know, they use inductive logic, you know, and so they induce things and that, that, that's probably what, what what upsets me more you know probably the most right now these days yeah that's interesting that's been brought up before and i do think you have a great point about the disconnect that has been going on which i'm not saying the disconnect is causing this but i mean imagine if people are on social media all the time if they if they are disconnected in general chemically emotionally you know mentally physically sometimes then it is harder to make logical decisions. Yeah, yeah, and and you know that what do they call it, Doc? The 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 desocialization of social media, right? You know, they, mm-hmm. you know, it's like truly it creates a less social environment. Yeah, you yeah. know, and and the truth is, you can't believe anything that's even put on social media, and people sure. are people are getting likes and and things from people that they don't even know and responding to people that they don't even know mm-hmm. and and then people are waiting for responses and acceptance from people that don't know them right and you know and how many likes did i get and how many this did i get and who's mm-hmm. commenting and it's just it's just different you know i'm not saying it's right or wrong i can't make that i can't make that that distinction you know for some people it might be very right for them it'd be too yeah. pious to me you know and times are changing but if it's just, it's just different, you know? And I think, I think it's right or wrong. The, whether it's right or wrong will depend on, you know, what you're doing with it. Are you using it as a tool? Like I know a lot of chiropractors that use social media as a tool to educate about chiropractic. They're not, um, consumers of social media, like majority of the population is they're creators. They create content. They are passionate about chiropractic or passionate about what they do. And they share that message on there. So it's kind of one of those things. I'm sure there's an expression for this somewhere, but it can be really good or it can be really bad. And there's (laughs) no in between. (laughs) Yeah. And it's like what you said, it's what, it's what someone uses it for. Someone uses it for personal validation. Yeah. No, no. Yeah, I don't, I don't, I I, just me personally, I don't hold value in that. So, so, you know, but maybe they, maybe that's the only place they can get it from. So maybe it could be good for them at times. I don't know. I, I, like I said, I can't judge it, but I do know, I do know that, you know, having, having validation from, 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 from folks that, you know, sources that, that, that we have no idea who they even are is something that people need to question. You know, and say, is this really where I want my validation from? And is this what I'm, how I'm living my life? And that's that outside in living. Like, it's just like being able to, you know, they go home at nighttime and can't wait to see what kind of responses they got on a post they put in this morning. And they could be spending time calling their friend or or making new friends or being in front of people, you know. and uh, true connection with people. I have a feeling that down the road at some point, we're going to have to pay for connection. Like I have this idea, you know, nowadays, what do you do? You pay for like a silent retreat. You pay for a retreat where they take your phones away and they take your notebooks away. And they're like, you're just on your own. It's all the things you did back in the day. You didn't have to pay for it. Now I get to pay for it. So they take my phone away and they're like, be with your thoughts, like be inside out. Right. Yeah. It's, it's so true. And it makes so much sense. You know, it's funny. I was having a conversation with a friend of mine this morning and, and we were talking about um, just some latest research and cool stuff that's going on right now. One of the biggest things happening right now in the research and the neuro research is touching. touching, like how important it is to be touched. You know, yeah. I'm not talking about in a sensual or sexual way. I'm just talking yeah. about just touching, whether yeah. it's shaking someone's hand or, or touching their arm or doing yeah. like just something where, where, where someone else is actually giving that stimulation and what that does, you know, to the, to, to the, to the epinephrine and to, to just the different hormonal chemicals in your body and how that makes such a huge difference in people's lives. And it's something that we're moving away from totally. with, the more technology that we're having. So when we talk about disconnection, it's not just a, 
a physical, or, or, I'm sorry, and it's not just a, a disconnection of just speaking to somebody over the phone or doing whatever, like we're chatting right now and seeing each other, but we're on the computer, but we actually have a connection that we can see each other. It's literally the physical connection that we're losing. You know, back in the, I don't know, it could have been the 70s, 80s, there was a book written by, I can't, by two gentlemen, it was called Megatrends, and mm-hmm. it talked about high tech, high touch. You know, Megatrends was about in the future, which we're in right now, based on the years from there, it was going to be high technology, right? And with that high technology, people were going to be separated. They were going to be, you know, sitting in their office all day doing work and not necessarily being interacting with other people. And what that meant was the more technology that came around, the more separation that we separated ourselves, isolation is probably a better word, the more touch we needed, you know, the more... Mm -hmm high touch we needed to be able to be with each other. And there's all kinds of stuff that's out there. Uh, yeah. Ashley Montague is a great author. And uh, Ashley Montague wrote a book. And once again, it was either the 70s or 80s called Touching. That's mm. what the book was called. And it talked about the birthing process yeah. and why it's so important to have a vaginal birth. Because when the vag- when you have a vaginal birth, that baby comes out and the whole outside of that baby's body mm-hmm. is being touched as it goes through the birth canal. It's being yeah. rubbed against, right? And it stimulates you know, the cells and it stimulates the nervous system and there's stimulation that comes in where cesarean babies are being picked up, you know? So, so as they're being picked up, we've always told my wife and I in our practice always told, you know, moms who delivered cesarean, you know, to just rub their babies. We should be rubbing our babies anyways, but just be rubbing them even more, you know, and stimulating and stimulating and stimulating because it's something that they missed. And yet as we get older and we move into our, yeah, our later years, it's like, you know, we're not being touched, you know, it's interesting, isn't it? Yeah. That's, I mean, then there's plethora of research even around skin on skin, right. For babies. And also even for adults, I know we're not talking like sensually and sexually, but skin on skin touch for adults and babies, improving uh, immune system and increasing serotonin. I mean, if you want a better immune system and you want to be happier than spend more time touching. Right. Yeah. 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 It's so true. Yep. So those disconnects, you know, there's disconnects on all levels of life and stuff that we don't even know about, but, you know, or stuff that some of us know about, but the average person wouldn't, which it should be out there for everyone to know. Right. I mean, this is stuff that people should know about. Yeah. Yeah. I get that. So as much as you love social media and being disconnected that way, I would assume that's definitely not something you do first thing in the morning. So here's the thing. What is your Um, what's your morning routine? Like if you have one run us through, like what your day looks like, like a day in a life of president of life West. Everybody wants to know what does Ron oversee? Like, does he do his long grocery shopping? Does he like, what does he do? So walk me through a morning routine. If you have one and like a typical day of what it looks like for you. Okay. I can. So right now my typical day looks, I'm up at six 30. I mean, I'm, I am up. I'm usually up earlier, but if I'm in bed, I'm out of bed at 6.30. It's just what I do right now, right? I've been working on my sleep, actually, because I would tell you before, I was probably up around 4.30. And mm. um, and actually, throughout my chiropractic career before this, before before I was a president, I was up usually, I was usually doing work by 4.30 in the morning because I would do it before I need to go to the office or do whatever. Um but nowadays, I'm trying to train myself to sleep more because I realized as I moving on in age that I wasn't really getting a lot of sleep. And the sleep I was getting wasn't very good sleep. So now I'm in bed uh, by 11 o'clock at nighttime yeah. uh, in bed, and unless I'm traveling or something's off on that level. Okay. Oh, and I'm up at 6.30, um, and I've trained myself to actually sleep, you know, so I'm, I've been doing a good job with that over the last year and a half. And... Uh, so I get up at 6.30. What I usually do the first thing in the morning is I'll I'll usually visualize and I'll try to visualize my day. Mm-hmm. Um, I, uh, I read. Mm-hmm. And I'll do some reading. Uh, I check my email in the okay. morning time. Let's go back. When you visualize what your day is going to look like, do you go off of like the activities of the day? Like, oh, I'm going to have a great meeting and then this is going to be successful and this is going to go great. Or is it, is it more general or what do you visualize or how do you visualize yeah. it? Yeah. I don't visualize my day. Like, like, like you just said on a schedule level, cause I usually oh. don't know what my schedule is. Right. And I'm usually in meetings all day. 
So, and I might not know what every meeting is going to be. So, um, so I, so what I usually visualize is just myself, my Mm -hmm. family, you know, Mm -hmm. and I'll see myself being healthy. I'll see my body being healthy. I'll see myself being nourished, you Mm -hmm. know, that kind of stuff. Right. And, and when I look at my day, if I see myself moving through my day, it's not necessarily the meeting here, the this there, because I don't know, but it's just on a global level of me being present and me being, you know, smiling and me kind of just, you know, the vibe of, yeah, the vibe of what my day will be like. I see my grandkids. I always have my grandkids in my, in my, in my visions. I, my daughters, you know, my wife. Um, Yeah. And this is something I've always done, you know? Yeah. I Um, love that. That's why I wanted to know how, like how you visualize that. Cause I know some people they'll like walk themselves through the day. Some people are more general, like this is my state kind of putting themselves into that state that they want to experience as they go through anything they're going to go through, which sounds like what you're doing. Yeah. It's exactly that you read. What are you reading right now? Uh, right. I'm reading, I have about three or four books. I actually got it. I got into a, a an app called Blinkist. Oh, I've and, heard of it. Yeah. And I love it because I can read a book in about 15 minutes. <laughs> you can either listen to it or read it or both, you know, and yeah. it, what they're in, and it, it's just this group that I guess I would, whatever the app people do and they, uh, and they take a book and they'll just, um, they'll condense it, you know, and they'll condense it into, you know, they'll take the highlights out of it. So I get the cliff notes basically. Yeah. Right. And, yeah. and it's, and it's really, really cool. So, um, you know, I was, I, I, I'm usually reading something on leadership. Mm-hmm. Um, I'm usually reading something on self care, you mm-hmm. know, just on, you know, higher vibrational care, mm-hmm. you know, that kind of stuff. And, and I, so, you know, this morning I could have, I, I could have had three books that I, that I've, you know, that I went through. You know, though today I didn't, today I went through one, but it's just, you know, it's just kind of what I do. And I'll just kind of, a lot of times I don't even care who the author is. It doesn't matter to me anymore who the author is. It doesn't matter what the book is, what the name is. I set them up. So I'll go through the, I'll go through it and I'll set them up in advance and I can have about 30 books that I've downloaded and I just kind of just go through them and I just, but I'm listening for information. I love that. Yeah. Yeah, I'll have to give it a try, the app. Yeah, it's cool. It's I I I like it because I can be on an airplane and I can, you know, I can take notes while I'm doing it. I'll get some really good information and I'm just looking for gold. I'm looking for gems, just diamonds. You know, I do the same thing if I go to a conference. You know, I don't I I've heard a lot of these speakers for you know for 20, 30 years. You know, I'm going on 43 years in practice, maybe even longer than 30 years. And you know, I just anytime I go to any conference, wherever I am, I'm just looking for five or six nuggets. Mm-hmm. The minute I get those, I write them down. I'm done. You know, yeah. I might hear some more and put them down, but otherwise I'm done. And I could just kind of just be there and listen in a different level. Um, so that's what I do. And then the other piece that I do is, um, I, you know, I, I usually intermittent fast every day. Okay. Um, it's been a routine that I've done for years. So I will just, uh, you know, I'll get, the, I'll, I'll, I'll have my water in the morning time and, um, and then I kind of just get ready, you know, yeah. to, to go, you know, to go do my thing. I try to get to my, to my office, uh, about eight 30. Um, so, uh, mm-hmm. you know, I'll leave the house and I always kiss my wife goodbye. Something that we do is we make sure that we hug each other, mm-hmm. you know, every day. So my hug to her is always at least in the morning time. Cause I don't know if I might see her later on that night, depending yeah. on what I'm doing. Um, I love that. Yep. That's what I do. And then when I, when I, on my way to the office, I'll make phone calls. Mm-hmm. So I can utilize that time mm-hmm. to be able to make phone calls. And, uh, and I'm a big music person growing up in the sixties. So I listen to music and, uh, yeah. and I, uh, I'll always try to pull up in my office. Sometimes I'll be on the phone. Uh, if not, then I'll always have music going. So before I go in, I have something that's just kind of that I'm, that I'm vibing to so that when I walk in, cause I believe that music sets my soul, you know, and just sets my vibration. So mm-hmm. when I walk in the door, I've got that vibration that I walk in with, you know, and I always say hello to everybody that I see. So even when I'm walking around the college, you know, I'll never not say hi to somebody unless I don't see them. But if I make eye contact with anybody, students, anybody walking down the hallway, it's always, Hey doc, I call students, 
doctors. I tell them this in first quarter that when I see you in the hallway, whether I know your name or not, I'm going to call you doc because I want you to start visualizing who you're going to be. Yeah. So, so I'll just be Love walking that. and say, Hey doc, good to see you. Hi, good to see you. Hi, good to see you. So people shake my hand, whatever, but I always just acknowledge and, you know, unless I'm in a conversation with somebody in the hallway that I don't see the other people, but, um, yeah, it's what I do. You know, I always step in and I see people. I'll always make rounds in, in our building to say hello to people. You know, it's been unusual, you know, during the pandemic when people weren't on campus. But now that we are, you know, back on campus, you know, I just try to make it make sure that uh, it used to be booked before the pandemic. And we'll get back to this again, you know, where every day I had certain or every week I had certain departments that I would go visit. They weren't scheduled on their on their schedule. On my schedule, it was scheduled. So I'd go take a walk and I'd go down to admissions and say hello and make sure I just say hi to everyone there and walk into their offices. And if they're not busy, I just say, hey, how you doing? How's your family? And just have that personal connection, you know, with people. Yeah. Um, yeah. And it's and that's cool. It's it's like the thing that you talked about that that uh, frustrates you or upsets you, the disconnect, the you know, and, and so how you're showing up on campus or really honestly in anything that you have ever done that I know, and I don't know too much uh, of, of your personal life, but as a president of Life West, like you, you have really put connection at the, at the very foundation of the things that you've done at Life West. Yeah. yeah. And, and don't let me fool you because, you know, I could sound like I'm all nice and, and everything's peachy and rosy. <laughs> You know, and we've got, and we're all have unicorns and, you know, and, and, and bubbles and all that kind of stuff. But the truth is I'm not the easiest person to work for. And, and I will tell you that right now, you know, I demand a lot. I demand perfection. Sometimes connection though, is like having those hard conversations and, you know, and, and having expectations. Sometimes connection shows up that way. Yeah. Yeah. And it could, but, but I demand, you know, n- not to the people who, who, who don't report to me, you know, cause I don't, I don't have anything to do with them. Right. You know, but to my direct reports and you can ask them this and I'm, you know, I'm not the easiest, per- I'm not the easiest coach, you know, I'm not like all, Oh, everything's fine. And just, you know, keep doing what, Oh, it's okay. It's like, you know, if we don't demand the best of what we're doing, especially in the educational world, Right. Because we have our customers are our students mm-hmm. and ultimately our customers is the world, especially yeah. in healthcare, right? It's, it's yeah. humanity. Mm-hmm. So, you know, I'm not an easy guy to work for because I want to, I want the best, you know, and I don't settle for, you know, you're, you can never make it in the customer service world. You know, it's like, you know, oh, the four, you know, four season standards or whatever you want to call it. Well, they're always working to be better and better. And it's something that something that we have to work for, too. But I set the I set the bar, you know, I'm there early. I'm there. I leave late, Um, you know, and I don't do that. So other people see me. I don't do that for that. Yeah, because I don't care who sees me, you know, but I know that I do what I do for me. and, And I know that I can I can't expect from others what I don't expect from myself. Yeah. Yeah. And, and I do think like as a leader, of course you are like that, right? That's, that's a given um, that you would have those boundaries that you would have those high expectations. Otherwise you wouldn't be the president of life West. But I think that the connection pieces of piece of it, um, like you, you also go out of your way to do that. I mean, you're walking the ways and connecting with everybody, connecting with the different departments. So I love, love, love that. Um, Now, I, there are some, some really quick questions. I asked you one already, um, but, or like interesting questions, like what I want to know before we finish up. So these are just a few questions we're going to go through real quick and, uh, and then we'll kind of wrap up. Do you have any childhood nicknames, Ron? No. Uh, maybe one, maybe one, but it, you know, it was probably for like five or six years and it was OB. OB. O- just OBE. So that, that was it. But otherwise, no. Was that, no, it was just, or when was it? That was like when I was like in probably seventh, eighth and maybe ninth grade, okay. maybe ninth grade. Yeah. Okay. okay. Yeah. And what kind of car do you drive? Right now I drive a Lincoln. So okay. I have a uh, a Lincoln Navigator or something. I don't even Nautilus. A Lincoln Nautilus is like okay. an SUV, a smaller SUV. 
Oh, an SUV. Okay, great. Yeah, so I have that. I have a few different cars, but I have that. I have a truck. I have a Tundra. Mm-hmm. I have a Land Rover. And I have, not I, but my wife and I have a, a FJ, a Toyota FJ. Oh, okay. Yeah. So we have, so we have, uh, you know, in Montana, we have a Land Rover and we have our Tundra. Mm-hmm. And uh, you know, four-wheel drive vehicles because yeah. it gets it gets snowy here, and you know, we can off-road a little bit if we wanted to. Um, in, in Hayward, we have the FJ, which used to be my old golfing vehicle because I yeah. had a Porsche and I couldn't put my golf clubs in, so I bought an FJ for that. And, the, and my kids always ask to buy it. I get I get offers on the street to buy it, like literally. They're, they they stop making them, so they're of the FJ. I've never. Yeah. I don't know what that one looks like. It's like a box. It's a Toyota, but it looks like a, it's an old takeoff on like a boxy Jeep, like a larger oh, Jeep. Okay. And um, yeah, they stopped making them. So I mean, I got people coming to saying, "Hey, I want to buy it." I took it for service, and I had someone come to me and say they offered me like thirty eight thousand dollars for it, and I and I said no because it's just my golf. You know, it was my golf yeah. car, and I, you know, whatever. And I think I paid like eighteen for it. You know, who knows? But anyways, and then I had a Tesla for a while, and. So, but right now I'm in a Lincoln because it's comfortable yeah. and I got tired of being in sports cars because I couldn't <laughs> bend down as easy anymore. And I wanted something Wait, that which, I had. Hold on. Which Porsche did you drive? I drove a 933 okay. uh, Carrera. Okay. Um, beautiful. It was, yeah, it was amazing. It was a beautiful, I, I had a goal and in one of my businesses and yeah. you know, part of what I used to teach uh, when I was coaching people was that, uh, you know, if you hit a goal, it's got to be immediate gratification. It can't be something that takes a long time, you yeah. know, because then otherwise, you know, it doesn't mean much. So I hit my yeah. goal eight months early. Um, I had a year and a half goal and I hit it eight months early and I ended up, uh, I had to get it. So I was in San Francisco when I hit it. I remember it precisely. I was, I was, uh, my daughter Morgan and I used to take, I used to take trips with my kids mm-hmm. and I would take them one individually. You know, we all do family vacations up, but when I was lecturing, I take yeah. one of my daughters one place, another another place, the yeah. other the other place. I do the and same they, thing now. Yeah. yeah. Love yeah. it. And they and they would work. They'd come and help. They'd work yeah. with my assistant. They'd do whatever. But so Morgan and I were hanging out and I hit that, I hit the goal. And um, so I called a buddy of mine up, Walter Sanchez in Hialeah, Florida. He was in Miami, Florida, and he had a Porsche. I said, Walter, I gotta get a Porsche. Like, what you know, what am I getting? You know, like, right, you know, and he said, Oh man, here's right now this year, it was like the nine three. So boom, I, I bought it within a week and a half when I had to locate one, find one, got it within a week and a half. Um, incredible car, but yeah. I couldn't fit anything into it. My kids, you know, I couldn't fit my family in it, but it was fun. I had it for about five years. I had 11,000 miles on it in five years. Wow. Yeah. I, I got it. Like we had fun just driving up and down the coast, but that was about it. And like, uh, I remember I sold it and, uh, a guy from St. Louis flew out to buy it. And he, he had me, he had me open the engine up and, and have my wife press on the gas while I had the phone to the engine. So he could the engine and he, said, <laughs> and he goes, I'll buy it. <laughs> Whatever. Anyway. So that's, I mean, that's how Porsche buyers, I think they purchase their Porsches. Like I, so I, I drive one, that's what I drive. And I, at the time, the story, I know it's not, this is podcast is not about me, but it's kind of a funny story along the same lines. I told my husband at the time, I said, I'm going to go look for a, por- uh, look for a Porsche. I was going to get a new car and I'm going to go with a girlfriend. I, I might, there's a big, big possibility. I might come back with a Porsche. So he was like, all right. So he didn't think I was going to do it. I go, I walk I Well, actually, before we walked into the Porsche, my, my friend was like, well, maybe we should go look at Audi. Maybe we should go look at Range Rover. And so we pulled up into the Audi, um, uh, you know, little whatever. And, um, I literally got out of the car, looked around and I was like, my friend Lonnie, I said, no, this is not it. We went back in the car, <laughs> drove the Porsche. And I saw this car and I was like, before I drove it, before I got in the car, before anything, I was like, I pointed to it and I was like, that's my car. And then we test drove it. And next thing you know, I drove home with a Porsche. I love it. And that's how it should be. You know, it's like so amazing. Um, I tell you what, and just a quick off topic thing. I, I got tired of shopping for cars, like mm-hmm. literally. And I'm from Detroit and I've had all kinds of cars. And I just got, to, so I finally just said to my wife, I'm going to find a car that 
I'm never going to get out of. I'll just keep buying the same car. So I researched it and it said the Cadillacs were the most resold resold cars to to people who owned them before, right? Oh, They'd go back and buy. So I went to the Cadillac dealership. I was probably about 40, you know, 43 years old, 44 years old. I went to the Cadillac dealership. They didn't even serve, they didn't even wait on me. I mean, I was like in the parking lot. They're thinking, because I didn't know that most people buying Cadillacs are like, you know, 65 and over, right? 70 right, years right. and over. So, th- so they never really came out. And I just said, ah, oh, well, you know, whatever. And I went away and I just, I went to there. I went to the Jag dealership. I went to the, um, I went to Audi. I went to BMW. I test drove all these cars. And then I went to, to, that this was the first year, I think it was 1990, Infinity and Lexus, right? The first mm-hmm. year they came out. And I just fell in love with the Lexus. And I said, boy, mm-hmm. this car is like, you know, it's it, right? The, the, the large Lexus sedan. Yeah. So, so I just remember this guy saying, I said, you know, I just want to test drive one more car. He goes, and the guy said to me at the dealership, he said, whatever you need to do. He goes, I can give you a plethora of reasons. This is exact line, a plethora of reasons on why to buy a Lexus. But I think you'll know when you go test drive the other car, the Xfinity. So anyways, I test drove it. I knew he he just was in my head. I came back and I purchased the car yeah. and I drove for the next, I don't know, 15 years. I drove the Lexus. Lexuses, right. Every yeah. three years, I just got They're a new Lexus. Right? Cars. Just what I did. And my daughter, my daughter Morgan said to me, she's my second daughter. She looked at me one day and said, dad, you know, you got to you got to change it up a bit. You've just been driving. <laughs> There's so many other cars. I go, well, I'm happy to do that, but I don't like driving i don't like buying so just i don't i don't mind it but i don't want to go to so you come with me and we'll make it a trip you know we'll go we'll make it a project and we'll go and test drive cars so we went and test drove cars from the hummer to this to that we i ended up buying a bmw and you know it was fun i kept it for three years but you know then i got into the i got into the tesla tesla and then after the tesla I ended up, I ended up just buying a lincoln you know and it just it fit me perfectly you know so everything i wanted yeah I get, you know, air conditioned seats and I mean, the comforts of home and yep. it gets me where I need to go to. And I'm really not that addicted to cars anymore. So not my thing. <laughs> not anymore. After all the cars that you've already had. Nah. <laughs> I love that. Well, I'm like super into cars. I, as a matter of fact, when I was a little girl, did not play with dolls. I only played with cars. I love and it. So this obviously is one of the questions I ask my people because I get into it with them. Um, all right, Ron, what about, what was your first job? The very first job that you had? My very first job. Wow. It's a good question. I want to say my very first job was when I was in, um, middle school. I was probably, Mm -hmm. I was probably like in eighth grade. Mm -hmm. I worked at a recycling, uh, center. Okay. Where, we, where we recycled bottles okay, and stuff. Like that. It was a summer job that I had. And oh. um, yeah, it's what I did. And, uh, and then I, yeah, that was probably my very, very first very job. Fair. I remember tons of bees. It was only in the summer. And mm-hmm. with the bottles that we were recycling, we were just throw them onto this big conveyor belt and there were bumblebees everywhere. And, uh, but that, and then, and then I ended up working like at a gift store because I was on a work study, okay. but my most, my most probably maintained job that I had is I worked at a summer camp okay. and I worked at the summer camp for like probably seven years in a row. Wow. And, uh, okay. Yep. Yep. And I was, you know, everything, doing everything there, working my way from garbage man all the way up to like, you know, program, uh, you know, director or something. program director. Exactly. Yeah. 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 Love that. Awesome. Very cool. Well, thank you so much for giving me your time. So um, I'd love to know um, what's exciting. Well, do you have any exciting projects, anything you're working on? Where can people find you? Of course, we'll put all the links in here so you don't have to go through like WW something or another. You can if you want. But where do people find you? How do they connect with you? What are you working on? What's exciting? Well, I've got a ton of projects going on. Um, unfortunately, a lot of them I can't really talk about. I've mm-hmm. learned that, that um, do you know what the cosmic oven is? You ever hear of the cosmic oven? Cosmic like when you, oven? When you, yeah, the cosmic oven is when, you know, when you bake bread and uh-huh. you open the door too soon before it's uh-huh. before it rises, it'll fall, right? Got it, and, got it. And so my cosmic oven has always been, even in practice, I never really talked about like what I, if I was moving toward a goal and let's say I knew this week I was going to break that goal, I would never sure. say a word about it. Because if I did, a lot of times the bread would fall and I wouldn't reach it because it was all ego, you know, because that's why we do yeah, that. Yeah. Kind of, that's why I would do it at least. It would be my ego talking, right? So I've got a ton of projects, um, but 
there's not a lot that I can talk on until it like they, okay. until they come to fruition. Not uh, even I'll tell you, on the secret lives of chiropractors. You know what? I will tell you this. We've got a really cool project, and I just today is his first day. Um, I'm not sure when this is going out, but yeah. today is July. Huh? It will be a while, but yeah, it'll be a while. Uh, okay, so so today is July 5th, and um, and I am uh, and today I just brought on onto our staff a gentleman named Dan Perman, Dr. Dan Perman. He graduated in 2015, so seven years ago. And we are opening, which I'm thrilled about, we're opening a brain center mm -hmm. at, at Life West. Wow. And he just came on today. Uh, we're going to take the next three months to build this brain center with all really cool equipment. It'll all be based around you know neurological activity and and the subluxation and how we can function better. And it's not going to just just for people with brain injuries and things like that, but it's going to be people with who want higher potential, better potential, right? So so that's super exciting of what we're doing. That should be open and fully to the public in 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 October. Um, that's our, that's our goal date. The other thing we're working on right now that I'm really thrilled about is a college in India. Oh, so, I know about that. That's yeah, so, so cool. Yeah. So I just got back from India two weeks that's ago, right. two weeks ago today, I just got back from India and, um, and it, it's, we've just got some really, really cool stuff there. We just did our first service trip there yeah. and it was amazing. I mean, our students, mm -hmm. it, it was amazing. Uh, next time we go, you could just say, I want peds and they'll have. 4,000 kids, you know, wow. lined up. Um, and yeah. So that was really cool. And that's a project that we're doing, uh, that we're setting up right now. And then, uh, um, yeah. And then there's just, it's just other things that I can't really discuss yeah. because until I have a, the opportunity to do that until, you know, until that happens, but there's, I will tell you this doc, that there is probably five or six, you know, probably more, probably 10 projects that we got going on. That's, that that's happening. Yeah. That's awesome. Yeah. And I know you're a big visionary, so I'm not surprised that you have all of these things cooking in the oven and I don't want you to open the door. <laughs> in the cosmic oven. You know, the cosmic oven, you see that. Now I do. <laughs> I know how many times I said, Oh yeah. yeah. And then we, we let it out early, right? Oh, well, yeah, I mean, well, I'm and then there's the other side of it where I, I'm not, this is not a push for you to share anything um, that is in the oven, but like the other part of it, like I've heard people are like, oh no, you should share and tell people what you're going to do so that you're accountable. And then now you actually have to do it. But I see both sides of the yeah. equation. There are definitely things that I would keep in the oven. I will not yeah. say anything. <laughs> and there are things that I'm like, all right, yeah, this is okay. So, so, so cool. And so how can people get in touch with you, maybe support Life West or support any of the projects that you're doing, whether it's a mission trip or any, anything that you are doing that you'd like to talk about? Yeah. How do, how do you get in touch with you? Absolutely. So uh, different ways, you know, number one, they can, they can get in touch with me at, uh, at through um, my email address at the college r oberstein at lifewest.edu, they mm -hmm. can go on to lifewest.edu and they can. Uh, we have giving pages on there, so they're more than happy to go on there because that'd be a great place. But go check out all the really cool things that we're doing. Mm -hmm. uh, they can reach me on social media. I have to tell you that I'm not on a lot, and I mm -hmm. have people who run my social media pages, so. Um, you know, if they want to message me on social media, they could do that, but I might not pick that up for a week or two. Mm -hmm. So don't be frustrated if I don't get back to you right away. Uh, um, because I don't have my people, um, who run my social media pages, do those answers like that, especially if they're personal, if they're responding to something, then they can, but otherwise, uh, they don't, um, and I think those are probably the best ways to get a hold of me. And then they they can always just, you know, find my number. If you can find my my cell number someplace, then I will always answer it for you. But I won't give you my number. But if you can find it and somehow <laughs> get it, I will definitely answer Are that. you saying I shouldn't post your cell phone number on here? Definitely not. <laughs> <laughs> Definitely not. It gives me a little bit of uh, saneness. My 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 daughters were just with us. Um, we're in Montana right now, and of course, you said that earlier. My daughters were just up for last week. They came up for five days and brought their the, my our grandchildren, and you know they they left on July fourth. But we just spent time together, which we try to do every summer as a family and every every winter as a family, and. Um, and they always comment about, boy, dad's so busy. So he's always on his phone or whatever, you know, and believe me, I'm not on my phone a lot, but that's what they see. Right. 
Mm-hmm. And then I look at them and every chance they're away, they're checking something on their phone. And I, and I don't want to point that out to them, you know, and say, Hey, wait, wait, look at you right now. What are you doing? What are you, you know, are you what, what, Instagram or this or that, that kind of stuff. But I think what they see is I, I think they're used to seeing me never on a phone when they were growing up. Right? right. You know? And so I think it's just that kind of thing. And believe me, I was off last week, you know, supposed to be on vacation, but I was always, I'm never on vacation. I'm always right. taking care of something, but, but, um, I just find it amazing when 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 I hear that, thinking, boy, I'm glad you're not watching me during the week when you can see all the things that we're doing, you know. So, all right. Well, but, I will make I will make sure that we don't add to the distractions. I won't put yourself a number on here or anything. <laughs> but I had such a great time with you, Ron. I so so appreciate it. Genuinely appreciate your time and and your heart and everything that you're doing for chiropractic, for Life West, for just humanity in general. Super appreciative of that. Thank you. Thank you. And and to your viewers, you know, um, join us. You know, if you haven't been on a service trip, you know, we go to Mexico City uh, uh, three quarters of the year. We three times a year. We go to India five times a year. As soon as Tonga opens up, we'll be going to Tonga. Today, I have a call uh, uh, with a group that wants to bring life west to Cambodia. Um, So but just know that this isn't just for our students. It's for docs and the docs. Our students would love, they'd love it when docs come. And we always have docs that join us uh, because they get to teach our students and be with our students and they get to work on people. But the biggest thing is they get to open their hearts. And that's so huge. And the last thing is, you know, get involved, you know, with the college in different ways, come to the wave and do Mm -hmm. go, go whatever. But the more you get involved with the youngness of our profession, right. With our students and things that are happening, um, it just rejuvenates. You know, yeah. and, and that's how we that's how we re- reignite that passion and keep that passion going and and make that happen. So please, uh, the school is not here, you know, for you to only contribute to. It's here to give to you. Mm-hmm. And so use the school as a vessel that you can then be able to gain from and get from and be nourished from because that lasting purpose of giving, doing, loving and serving you know, without expectation of anything in return is not just to have us, you give, do, love, and serve to us. It's to allow us to give, do, love, and serve, you know, out. Cause that's the only way we can create win-win relationships. So please, yeah. but I can't do it if you don't, if no one contacts us or doesn't come and say, Hey, you know, that kind of thing. So that's what, yeah. so we are here for the community and that's what we want to make sure. I love that. Yeah. And I definitely can say that you have done that at Life West. And so again, thank you for everything that you have done. Get in touch with Ron, send an email, get in touch with Life West, wave in whatever way you can support and also receive support as well. Thank you everybody for watching or listening to Secret Lives of Chiropractors. And thank you again, Ron, for being here with me. And I will see you guys and and, uh, have you guys around at the next episode. I hope you enjoyed this episode and got some applicable nuggets to quantum leap your life and your practice. Be sure to subscribe to this channel and be the first to know when we release our next guest here on Secret Lives of Chiropractors. Also, don't forget to follow me on Instagram at Nona Javid, D-J-A-V-I-D, to keep up with my not-so-secret life. And um, check out Elevate Club at www.elevate.me and Elevate is spelled E-L-I-V-A-T-E. We'll see you at the next episode.